0: now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Well, they sure do make us say a lot of words at the end of that thing, don't they? Lairfield IMG College. <laughs> it's the second time they've made, they've made those changes in the middle of the season. <laughs> You'd like to start out the season, just keep it the same. There's a report that the great Frank Robinson has passed away, uh, 83 years of age, uh, triple crown winner in 66, first ever to be MVP in both leagues, first African-American manager with the Cleveland Indians. In fact, uh, his first game managing the Indians, he was the player manager. He hit a home run that day. What a great, great, great player Frank Robinson was. Uh, JT Riomoto is going to be a Philadelphia Philly after all the talk about he might go to the Reds after all the talk that he might go to the Padres or the Braves or the Dodgers it's the Phillies that end up with him and to be honest with you they got him for a pretty good price Jorge Alfaro catcher pitching prospects Sixto Sanchez and Will Stewart and the world famous international bonus slot Ooh. but they get a catcher that is considered to be not just in the upper echelon but in the argument as to who's best that's who the Phillies ended up getting today in JT Real Muto what a great acquisition for the Phils! big time of course uh, We're are home for Phillies baseball so that was a big time acquisition. Other news today includes uh, the Combine invitations. Uh, Trace McSorley, Miles Sanders, Connor McGovern, Ryan Bates, Sharif Miller, Kevin Givens, and Amani Oryawarie are the seven Nittany lines that are invited to the Combine. And, uh,. So all of them will get an opportunity there. Now, later on, Penn State will have a pro day. But still, getting invited to the Combine is a big step. It puts you into the limelight, uh, into interview situations, into drill situations. And those seven have all received and accepted invitations to the Combine in Indianapolis. So that's going on. Coaches had their second session today working with the players. Now, the coaches at Penn State will get some time off. And at least get a few days off to just kind of have a really long weekend and just kind of take care of business. We're going to hear from Ryan Snyder on the recruiting part later in the show. Sweeney Murney. Last night, Sweeney did. uh, I'm sitting here in the room, and uh, I watched. MLB last night and it was Sweeney on there with John Smoltz Ron Darling and Brian Kenny, debating some of the potential rules that they're looking at for Major League Baseball we will talk to Sweeney about that later in the show today and Adam Jordy from the Columbus Dispatch on tonight's Penn State basketball game with Ohio State I think it's a full enough show don't you think great show today yes
2: yeah, it's funny we got in contact with Sweeney before Christmas time. I figure figuring <laughs> when I originally got in contact, well, I could have sworn maybe a day or two after that, at least either Harper would go or Machado would be on a new team. and Oh, we'll get his reaction on that cuz it's still time. At that there's still time at that time at that point where the Yankees were still in play uh for Harper. So he was on our radar for quite a while, so worked out really well.
1: Worked out perfectly. It doesn't mean the Yankees aren't looking at Harper, but uh, that process the last two years has been a slow walk, and it's really bothering players right now that it is a slow walk.
2: I I wasn't clear Uh, enough. It worked out well. We were able to get him on the show today. That's what I meant.
1: Yes. Yeah, I'm saying, though, but, I mean, it's interesting how. I know you were thinking that they would sign before Christmas, but that, the last two years, has been a slow walk where it's taken a long time And in part is they're probably not being offered what they want. Uh, The Sixers have dealt Markel Fultz. So, so mercifully, that's over. (laughs) Good luck, Orlando. Have at it. He's your guy now. Again, that's going to be one of the great swindles of all time. Where Danny Ainge says, ah, yeah, we have the first overall pick. You know what? Let's swap picks here and throw in something else, because Ainge intended to take Jason Tatum the entire time. Okay, I think what well, the second pick was was that Lonzo. I guess it was Lonzo Ball's the second pick, so they knew the Lakers were going to take that. Um, who's shooting forty-two percent at the uh, free throw stripe? By the way, and... speaking, by the
2: way, speaking of the Lakers. Mike Muscala is on the move once again. Uh, we, I was kind of joking. Boy, he was only with the Philadelphia 76ers for, pretty much for you know, a cup of coffee. But now that qualifies. <laughs> he was with the Los Angeles Clippers for what, barely 24 hours? Now the Clippers have traded Mike Muscala to the Los Angeles Lakers. And in return, they're going to get Michael Beasley and uh, and Zubak.
1: So now he's a team end of LeBron's. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. He's LeBron's teammate now. Gets to ride the bus with him, ride the plane with him. Uh, <laughs>
2: hey. And the, and the Houston Rockets uh have traded James Ennis to the Philadelphia seventy sixers in exchange for draft considerations. So all this has been happening here with uh coming down here within the last hour or so leading up to the uh deadline that's come and gone at three, but but Probably a lot of trades that were in the queue before three o'clock we haven't heard of yet that will, you know, come down the pike here later on as the day goes on.
1: Well, Mike Muscala is now a Laker, and look, when you go to the Clippers and they trade you to the Lakers, you just walk down the hallway. So it's really it's no big deal. <laughs> I mean, they share the same building. You just walk down the hallway. Ah, oh, okay. So I'm going where now? Yeah. So I mean, Mike did Mike didn't have to worry about that easy to, pretty easy to take uh, but we've got a lot to talk about on the show today uh, the recruiting piece we'll talk about Penn State Ohio State in the next half hour the Adam Jordy of the Columbus dispatch then Ryan Snyder on the recruiting piece at 406 and we'll close out with Sweeney Murdy in the final half hour of the show today on some of these baseball rules which are yeah you know, they're interesting proposals I think everybody knows how I feel about the DH look I watched the DH. I grew up in an American League area, which is a big difference than growing up in Philadelphia, suburban Philadelphia, or in the Valley. In the Valley, you've been used to watching over and over and over again Phillies baseball with the pitcher hitting. Well, pitchers hit when I was a kid, and to their credit, did so poorly. And then they put the DH in. And the Red Sox first DH was Orlando Cepeda. You're like, okay, this is all right, Orlando Cepeda. And he hit like 30 home runs. He was terrific in the, in the in the role. And I've been big on the DH ever since. Because look, you know what the batting you know what the batting average was last year for pitchers in Major League Baseball? Go ahead, take a stab, Sean. What was the batting average for pitchers in Major League Baseball last year?
2: I'll say point .0.
1: No, it's higher.
2: Is it? Okay. Okay, yeah. I'll go. Is it in the ones, .1? One. 136.
1: Okay. Yeah, you know what the average for the DH was last year? 248. Not awesome and incredible because not everybody has a J.D. Martinez, okay? Let's be straight there. Not everybody has a Giancarlo Stanton, so let's be straight there. Not everybody has that. A lot of people are using different guys to fill the role and not a consistent guy like an Edgar Martinez was when he was with Seattle or a David Ortiz in Boston. I mean, guys are filling the role on an everyday basis. But one of the more comical things I ever hear is oh, there's so much more strategy in the national league, oh, ugh. really, okay, I mean, I admit, yeah, double switches and things like that, and you know the decision to take a pitcher out is going along pretty well, but you're down one nothing, so you've got to pinch it for him, yeah, those are tough decisions, uh, but the bottom line is 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 this people don't come to the game. To watch you, your wheels spin <laughs> They come to the game to see how many runs Are going to be scored uh, And Strategy Here's one for you There's so much more strategy in the National League Okay, fourth inning Runner on first Nobody out, pitchers up I think he might bunt. <laughs> Brilliant Oh my goodness The wheels are turning on that one None of these guys after high school hit. I mean Okay, we've got the New York Penn League in our own backyard in Williamsport and in State College. Phillies affiliates in Williamsport, the St. Louis Cardinals affiliate is in State College. Two National League teams. Guess what? In the New York Penn League, they use the DH because it's an evaluation league. They want to evaluate you as a pitcher and only as a pitcher, and they use that DH spot so they can evaluate nine hitters instead of evaluating eight. Where they can get three to five at bats in a game. Right? And that's the way it is all the way up, you know, as you work your way up, work your way up, you're still just DHing and you're still not hitting as a pitcher. Now you get out there and you're against the best of the best. Great. I'm going to go hit now, and that's Max Scherzer. No offense. uh, Not big on your odds. Everybody gets excited when Bartolo Colon does something. Hey, great. Everybody gets excited when Madison Baumgartner does something. But these are the exceptions. These are the exceptions. I go to the ballpark. I do not pay my money. To watch to watch uh, pitchers hit, I want hitters to hit. I want the pitcher to pitch. It's the way it is now, batting Chris Sale. <laughs> don't want to see it. Uh, no. <laughs> don't don't want to see it. No. All right, great. David Price is going to hit. Oh, this will be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. All right, that's why. Remember Tim Kershaw's great point. How he pitched, he went, what, did Tim, what did Mike win? Uh, 278 games in his career. And he pointed out, he said, look, look at all the years he toiled. In the American League East, which meant he was seeing the Yankees and Red Sox all the time. And then, of course, when he went to the Yankees from the Orioles, then that changed a bit. And in a DH league where he's constantly after going through nine hitters all the time. And the National League pitchers, you know, it's a seven-hitter lineup, essentially. It's what it is. It's what it is. And that's why I've campaigned for a long time for the Universal DH. This thing's better for the game. You know? Such a thinking man's game. Well, guess what? Like, we've got to speed the thinking man's game up here a little bit. How about putting some thought into moving? Uh, movement's good. Uh, the other things that they're talking about, like the three three batter minimum. You don't know about that. How does that work? What if I bring, I bring Sean in, and he gets an inning-ending double play? Does that count as one batter or two? What if I bring in a guy to get the last out of the game, and he does? Does he have to start the next game and pitch the two guys? I, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, now these are just rules they're proposing and thinking about. Pitch clock, I like because the average pitch time between pitches went up to 24.1 seconds last year. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm. Well, a little added bonus to tonight's game. I was telling Sean the break. Urban Meyer is going to be saluted at halftime tonight. It's Urban Meyer night at the Schottenstein Center. They're going to uh, honor him at halftime of the game tonight. Uh, I was telling Jason Benetti... I'd shoot around today. so Well, I said, Urban's seen Penn State play basketball before. He says, Really? I said, Yeah. I said, 2009 <laughs> 19. I said, Urban went to the game? Yeah. I did. I was a witness. Yeah. I, mean, I said, Urban was at the game? I said, Along with Tebow? I said Pence. They won. Yeah. I Tough said night so. For the I Gators. mean, But he was there. I mean, Urban showed up. He gave a lot of emotional support. It was great. Go. seen. He's seen him. He seen him running nit who's before. And Jason looks at me. He says, "How do you remember that stuff?" I said, Jason. I said, I said, I've only done one game of Florida. I said, it was notable. The dude was sitting right there. Yeah, but <laughs> like, if you yeah, had a yeah.
2: dollar, though, for every time at least some was someone had said to you, how do you remember that stuff?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess when you've lived it, you don't really think twice about it. You know, like, how do you remember it? I'm like, well, I lived it. He was like, <laughs> he hey, how are you? <laughs> So he'll be there tonight. And uh, when we were leaving shoot-around, they were bringing in the Rose Bowl trophy. They were bringing in the Big Ten Football Championship trophy. I'm like, oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> this is just this. Just, look, It's like I can feel the water dripping on my forehead now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Why couldn't they have done this next week?
1: Why couldn't they have done this last month? You, you couldn't have done it Saturday when Rutgers was here? I mean, really I mean, come on Oh I think I my guess is it's one of those it's a Thursday night game so they'd like to get a few more people in for a Thursday night game because their attendance here is is okay. I mean, it's the largest city in the state. It's, it's really no better than okay for basketball. I mean, when you consider the population density around the arena. Well, Adam Jardy's going to join us from the Columbus Dispatch in the next half hour. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Ah, don't forget Jeff Byers on the show coming up tomorrow. Penn State Wrestling at St. John right across the street, literally from where I'm sitting right now.
0: Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. I think we should get Movie Mike to review
1: those pregame videos that they do before Shikalimi football. I'd like to get Movie Mike's review of that.
2: He would be famous.
1: No prejudgment. Impartial.
2: And I think
1: entertaining. (laughs) That too. Mikey is entertaining. He is. (laughs) Uh, Here's a Facebook post from before the Shookalumi opener. Let's let's sit down for a moment for like five minutes here. Michael, let's watch it. (laughs) What do you think of the acting man, the guy on the left? (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. We got a problem. Okay. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Penn State basketball, Nittany Lions won on Monday night. They beat Northwestern 59-52. Meanwhile, Caleb Wesson at 27 points Saturday. Ohio State got back on track and beat Rutgers here at the shot. And uh, they will play each other tonight at 7 o'clock. With that, we bring in Adam Jordy from the Columbus Dispatch. Adam, welcome back. Great to have you with us.
3: Oh, absolutely. No, happy to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay, um, they went out last time. They beat Rutgers. What was a little bit better for Ohio State than what you had seen before that?
3: Um basically everything um, I mean it started Caleb Wesson uh, came out and played out of his mind in the first couple of minutes. Uh, he scored the first twelve points of the game he hit two threes uh, he had either scored or assisted on I think it was the first twenty seven points of the game, and this is their center I mean this is just this, you don't normally you know uh, think of that from a big man, but um, he played probably his best all around game in, in a good month and then when when he's able to be effective and he's able to stay out of foul trouble. Um, it just does so much for the offense. It it frees up other guys to make shots and then it just kind of bled over from there there was a lot of confidence across that roster in that game
1: let's talk about caleb wesson for a moment players do develop over time as you've watched him uh as a low post player who now has added an outside component where is he a better product now and a more polished product than what you've seen before
3: I think it's a, it's sort of the natural progression that you see when guys go from being freshmen to being sophomores it's what you what you hope to see from guys when they're going to be a four year college player that you know they just you see that steady improvement as they as they realize their talents and get better at things um he's a he, I I want to say he's a cleaner player but he's he continues to pick up fouls so I don't know if that's the right word for it um but He's, yeah, he's definitely expanded his game like you mentioned uh the, the three-point shot has become something that they're starting to rely on him for a little bit uh it helps to stretch a defense um he's he's uh just he's competing at a better level uh his conditioning is in better shape and this is a guy in the last roughly two years he's probably dropped 50 60 pounds if not more right. um so he's really really worked on on the conditioning aspect and the physical aspect and I mean, one of the numbers that was most amazing to me in that Rutgers game, aside from all things and the not getting in foul trouble, was he played 38 minutes, and to see a big man in the Big Ten log 38 minutes in a conference game—that's uh, that was impressive to me.
1: What has Luther Muhammad added to this team?
3: Uh, he's given them a lot of intensity. Um, he's given them a little bit of swagger and some attitude. Uh, the thing that, that is most interesting me, to me about Luther is that. Um, from apparently from the very first day that he got to campus, the first time they did anything together, where they started running sprints and they started having drills, um, he has consistently won every sprinting drill that they've had. Every time they got to get on the line and go run, uh, he wins those sprints. And for a freshman to do that from day one and carry that through and you know deep into now his freshman season, I think that just kind of tells you a lot about his his intensity and his mentality. Uh, he's a defense-first guy. But his offense is starting to come around a little bit i I think it's in the last four games he's shooting roughly sixty percent from three, so he's giving them another option out there which uh at times they've desperately needed as they've gone through a rough rough go here this calendar year but um he's a guy that they they can build around uh, i think he's a he's a future face of the pro- a uh, hard nosed kid that uh you know he starts guarding you, as they say as soon as you get off the bus.
1: Which then brings me to C.J. Jackson. Uh, Jackson uh, obviously is a veteran on this team. So what have they leaned on for him, and what does uh, Chris need from him?
3: The thing that they keep working on with C.J. and they keep harping on with him is making smart decisions and taking care of the ball. He can get too turnover prone, and uh, on a team that doesn't have a lot of experienced options in the backcourt, they can't afford that, and they've lost games because of that. Um, Chris Holman did pull him out of the starting lineup for a game, like to to sort of reinforce that message to him. That's been the 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 thing with CJ for a long time. It's just trying to get him to play within the flow of the offense and not to not forcing things, not trying to you know throw the home run pass. He's still good for one or two of those a game. Uh, he's he's shown a little bit of progress with that lately. Um, the the thing that I always have to remember with CJ is that uh, he played a year at a junior college down in Florida. Yes. Because he yes. essentially had no high-level Division One scholarship offers, and Ohio State plucked him seemingly out of nowhere, and he was never intended to play a role like this. I mean, he was he was slotted to be Jaquan Lyle's backup for his entire career at Ohio State. Come in, play right. ten, fifteen minutes, and instead, you know, Lyle plays himself out of the rotation and eventually quits the team, and it's it becomes CJ's position. Um, I think that he's played above the level that they've expected from him. And when he has moments where he turns the ball over too much, or when he has rough stretches, uh, I think that's just that's just part of who he is, as part of, of his his overall talent. But um, you know, he's a guy that they they need to play at a high level for them to have success.
1: I uh, want this is going to be a little different question. Uh, Ohio State's drawn okay. I mean, it's the largest city in the state, population mm-hmm. wise. You now have some real data in front of you. What kind of impact have the Columbus Blue Jackets had on Ohio State basketball's
3: drawing power? Ooh, that is a fantastic question. So... What's amazing when you look at Columbus is that they essentially have two almost identical arenas that are situated roughly five miles apart. And you have Nationwide Arena was built a couple of years after uh, Value City Arena was built, and yet they do very much compete for some of the same dollars. I I think it's, it's very easy and very accurate to say that if there were no Columbus Blue Jackets, that Ohio State would be averaging significantly more fans per home, Big Ten, uh, or just... Any Any uh, men's basketball game um, it it's one of those unfortunate sort of realities. I think that when they built the Schottenstein Center, there was a belief that there would it was going to be the venue in Columbus for concerts for whatever's coming through town and for obviously ohio state sports and then nationwide was built and that's kind of split now um, it, it, It's had a significant impact and it's um, it's just kind of fascinating to see that watch out because I know that Ohio State was not thrilled. Uh, to see a, an NHL team uh, get placed in Columbus, so they're definitely not thrilled to see a new arena get built years after they just built their own.
1: Because well, that's one thing I've noticed is that I, when I'm in there, and I've done a lot of games, obviously in this shot, it feels like it's 7,000 seats too big right now.
3: It is. It always has been. I mean, it's really it doesn't serve anybody. It, it's you know when you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing nobody. Um, it's not a great place for a basketball game unless it's packed to the rafters, and then it can be very loud because it's, it's a lot of people. The problem is it's not often that packed, and so you're left with when you have 14,000 people for a game in an, in an arena that would be an appropriate size, that would be a, a very significant home court advantage. Unfortunately, when you have 14,000 people in the shot, you still have five or 6,000 seats that aren't, that aren't full. So not only does it do them a disservice, but, you know, when the women's basketball team plays here, they they tarp off the upper, upper uh, section like uh, I know Penn State does for a lot of their home games. Um, yeah. you, you have the men's hockey, and they have to do the same thing. I mean, the men's hockey team, if if there was a 5,000-seat arena on campus, they would pack that thing, and it would be a great place to watch a hockey game. Instead, it's it's cavernous. And so uh, it's, it's an unfortunate reality that Ohio State is faced with right the, The near future and the long future, because uh, I mean, they built it and it's not going anywhere. But there are some definite drawbacks to it.
1: All right, uh, give me an X factor guy on this team. I mean, my guess is probably going to be Andre Wesson, but who's an X factor guy on this team?
3: I I actually would go with Keyshawn Woods, and he's the transfer from Wake. Right, right, yeah, he's yeah. a graduate transfer, and they brought him in because behind CJ Jackson, they don't have. I mean, the other point guard, the other guards are, are freshmen, and so they needed a guy who had been through some battles to direct things and, and be a guy that they could count on. Very much like Andrew Dacus played that role superbly last season, uh, yes. shockingly well, and so they were, you know, looking for a similar type of impact from from Keyshawn Woods this year, and he has not really found his stride at any point this season. He's had flashes and he's had games. He played particularly well against Rutgers. He got 11 points, four rebounds, three assists, no turnovers. Um, they need him to just be effective, but and and not to be a non-factor. There've been games where he hasn't scored. There's games uh, he's had at least one game where he hasn't taken a field goal. Um, they they can't afford for him to not be a factor because they just don't have enough options all around. So when he's playing well, if he can build off the Rutgers game where he was impactful. Uh, he was. He got involved in some tie-ups. He forced a jump ball. Um, if he can do all those things and just be part of the offense, to where he's not a non-factor, um, that's he's the biggest swing for me on this Ohio State team. When he plays well, they play well, and when he doesn't, they can really struggle.
1: Okay, what about uh, Musa Jalo? Uh, you know, he had to play a role, and also, where's Kyle Young in all of this? I, I get the sense they're being coy about his ability to
3: play right now. <laughs> Yeah, I got that impression from interviews yesterday as well. Um, Chris Holtman didn't yeah, he he suffered a, a stress fracture in his lower, I think his right leg. About two, three weeks ago, and I think the timetable at the time was roughly four weeks, I think is kind of what people were were thinking, possibly longer. Um, then yesterday at interviews, Chris Holtman called him day-to-day and said he wasn't certain about his status for for tonight. So that sort of lends me to believe that, yeah, we might actually see Kyle Young play tonight, which means he only missed, I think, four games um, that would obviously impact Ohio State in a significant way. He's a he's an important player. Uh, Musigello is a guy who's really benefited from his absence. He's kind of stepped into the starting lineup. He's logged uh, some some big minutes in, in some of these recent games. Uh, he's a, he's probably their most athletic player on the roster. Um, he's still incredibly young. He's one of these kids that reclassified in high school. So he he should be a college freshman right now but he graduated a year early and had it like a 4.0 student. I mean he's incredibly intelligent. Um but but I mean he didn't turn 18 until midway through his freshman Big 10 season. It was like last February that he he finally turned 18. So he's still young in a lot of respects. But a guy that they lean they look to for some defense, a guy that they look to he's he's athletic, he's long, he's versatile. And he actually attacks the rim a little bit. There's not a lot of guys on this team that are built to to drive and to try to make things happen and to try to draw contact. Moose has done that in limited playing time as, as much as anybody.
1: Penn State's had these dozen games that have gone to the final minute. When you've looked at Penn State from afar, what have you thought?
3: Um, it's interesting that a team like that has, has the record that it does, because I don't know that that reflects the talent level that is on that roster. Uh, like you said, they've been in games, and they've been really close in games against some really talented teams, and they don't find a way to do it, um, yeah. I mean, from afar, it makes you wonder about the direction of the program and how well that message is being, you know, the the message of the coaching staff is preaching to these players. It makes you wonder how well it's being received, given that they're not getting the results and you sort of feel like this thing is slipping away. And I know that the challenges that come with with building the program there at Penn State, I understand the realities of of that program um, uh, relative to the rest of the conference, but it does make you wonder about – you know, in a, in a season where Pat Chambers is suspended for a game for putting his hands on a player, um, just sort of the direction of where this is all headed. And so I think that, you know, to get off the schneid and to win the other night, like, that's obviously a positive for Penn State. I don't know if they carry that over into this game. I don't know if they're uh, if they're capable of doing that. But I'm not ruling it out because I did watch these guys wipe the floor of the Ohio State three times last year.
1: Okay. Adam, <laughs> thanks so much. I appreciate your time.
3: Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Adam Jordy, Columbus Dispatch. We'll come back with more in a moment. Ryan Snyder on recruiting next half hour. Sweeney Murdy on baseball in the final half hour as we continue from Columbus, where it's pouring. I mean, it is pouring here. On News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Uh, Frank Robinson, the great Frank Robinson, passed away today at the age of 83. Been fighting bone cancer. Uh, Frank Robinson, MVP in 61 with the Reds when they went to the World Series, lost to the Yankees in five. MVP in the American League in 66 when he won the Triple Crown and led the Orioles to the World Series Championship and also was on the World Series Champion Orioles in 1970. Just an absolutely great player. And also, I thought, a really, really good manager. He was never really dealt the best hand as a manager, and I always thought he made the best of it. First game as the manager of the Indians, first ever African-American to be a manager in Major League Baseball. He was a player manager, and he homered in the game, and yes, they won. And I thought he did a really good job. I thought he, was, I thought he just had a great feel for the game. The uh, uh, one of the all-time greats, 583 Homers, you can go all through the numbers, but if you, just, if you watch them play, you're just like, that is a great player. Wow. So, uh, JT Real is going to be a Philadelphia filling, and they didn't give up a lot for him. In my opinion, they didn't give up a lot for him. They get, they get a guy who is arguably—you can, you can put him squarely in the argument—is the best all-around catcher in the game.
2: Yeah, he's got, got a great—he's got today. a great arm. He hustles. Oh. So
1: yeah, we'll take that hits. Yes, hits. You know, this guy, I mean, they had Christian Yelich, they had Giancarlo Stanton, they had Rio Molto. Now the Marlins have gotten rid of all of them. Well, the Phillies are the beneficiary this time around. Um, and so that was a big, big deal for the Phillies, huge. Now, if they do anything with Harper or Machado, we'll see. A lot of this comes down to how teams feel about taking 15 to 18 percent of their player number and giving it to one player. That does become an argument within an organization. You could talk about oh that's collusion, it's like it, 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 you've got different guys running teams now. You've got a lot of Ivy League guys who are who look at analytics in such a way where they're telling their their ownerships, no, 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 we can do it this way that's how it's happening so you can you know, you can talk collusion all you want i don't i think it goes in a different direction i think these guys say hey look we can pick up three guys at 8 million a piece on the average and we can get more out of it i think that's a big part of it all right, uh, we mentioned the Combine earlier. Seven Nittany Lions have been invited to the Combine in Indianapolis. Trace McSorley, Miles Sanders, Connor McGovern, Ryan Bates, Sharif Miller, Kevin Gibbons, and Amani Oyuarieh. They've all been invited to Indianapolis. So seven Nittany Lions will be in Indy. Uh, if you've been following tweets of the coaches, CJ Thorpe now is working with the offensive line. So if you follow the tweets of the coaches, they've now had two workouts where coaches can be present. They've had two of them so far. The second one was today, and CJ uh, Matt Limegrover recognized him with the offensive line group. So that uh, just a couple little hints and tips here and there as to what is going on wrestling is here tomorrow night Jeff Byers will be on the show tomorrow here in Columbus now we're not they, they turn I said I, I said to uh, Rick Calusa. I said I said wrestling team staying here same hotel because the Lady Lions stayed here and he said nah he says I think they're staying at the Hilton Garden Inn and I said, I said, why? Because Kale has Hilton points. What? <laughs> he says, no. He says, I mean, uh, how many times have you heard me say how fiscally responsible Kale Sanderson is? How many times you heard me say that? In a lot of ways, he is as fiscally responsible as Joe was with football. He I mean, watched every penny. I mean, the running joke is Ka- that Kale has Econolodge points. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not joking. A cattle lodge points. Well You can help him with that. <laughs> you can get him. A... <laughs> hey, you want to stay at Marriott? I got a few. Yes, <laughs> with much more to spare. <laughs> I think I got. I think I'm up to like three hundred twenty-five thousand of them now. I'm like, okay. That's... All right. Next half hour, recruiting with Ryan Snyder. From Rivals.com and Blue White Illustrated, Sweeney Murdy covers the Yankees for WFAN. We'll join us final half hour on some of the proposed changes in baseball. Sweeney last night was out there with Brian Kenny, John Smoltz, and Ron Darling on MLB last night talking about this great segment.
0: Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.